Hey everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Competitive Enablement Show. I'm your host, Adam McQueen, and in today's episode, I was joined by Ben Ronald for another edition of Versus. In today's edition, Ben and I look at the television wars, and specifically, we look at HBO versus Netflix. I'm really excited for this episode. It was a fun one. Ben knows a ton about the subject, and I can't wait for you all to listen. Before we jump into the episode, a little bit of housekeeping that Ben has also written uh, an article on our newsletter, the Coffee and Compete newsletter. You'll be able to subscribe to that in the show notes. It'll be out on Sunday. So make sure to give that a read because it's an even deeper dive into what we talk about today. Also, if you could leave this podcast a five-star review, only if you think it's worth five stars, it would mean the world to us. So appreciate that in advance. And with that all said, let's get into today's episode. And the Emmy goes to... And the Emmy goes to... And the Emmy for directing in a drama series goes to... Jeremy Strong, Succession. James Gandolfini in The Soprano. Jason, Jason Bateman. Ozark. So I think we're in the seventh inning of the streaming wars, and uh, Netflix is losing. All right, today I am joined by Ben Ronald, a.k.a. producer Ben, the man that has to listen to my voice, more than anyone else in the world, even more than my girlfriend, the producer of the podcast for this edition of Versus. Ben, thank you for joining me. Thank you, Adam. Excited to be here. All right. So for our Versus series so far, we've done the battle for electric vehicles, Tesla versus V-Dub, but it was Tesla versus the entire market. We've done how Apple crushed BlackBerry. And that was like a retrospective, the battle happened, the war is finished, and we know who won. And today, we're doing HBO versus Netflix, which at first, when you mentioned this to me, you pitched me, Adam, let's do HBO versus Netflix. You were reading the, the history of HBO, and I'm like, are they direct competitors? They feel like they're in slightly different lanes, but as you delivered the pitch to me, it became increasingly clear that this was a story that had to be told. So Ben, why did you want to write about HBO versus Netflix? What interests me the most about this topic is that these two companies have come into direct competition with each other twice in the past two decades. So one, when Netflix entered the original programming space in 2013 with House of Cards, now they are directly competing with HBO in terms of producing quality content, premium content. And then in 2020, when HBO released HBO Max, their streaming service, because to date, HBO was just a cable provider. You would access HBO through your, your cable provider. So once they saw the tides were turned, Netflix and Amazon Prime and Disney Plus were all in the streaming space. HBO decided we're going to start competing on Netflix's ground in the streaming space. So the fact that these two companies have come into conflict with each other twice directly in two separate times is fascinating to me. Yeah, and this is this battle on how we how people consume media and how television providers, media outlets, how they're delivering content is an interesting battleground because it's completely changed. The landscape has changed radically. Just like when we talked about Tesla changing the EV market, it completely it's not just one-on-one competitive, the whole landscape changes. And so what you mentioned there, it feels like the main battle between HBO and Netflix is sort of Netflix 
shaking up the game through sort of, I guess, like the infrastructure, the, the, the business model, how they deliver the content. And then in 2013, when they start making original content, House of Cards, I remember watching House of Cards and I remember that being the thing that hooked me to Netflix in that moment in time. Watched the whole season one when I was sick. Can remember it exactly. The road to power is paved with hypocrisy. That's when they start competing with HBO on the meat and potatoes, the content, which as we're going to get into can be very subjective, like who's winning on that front. Um, but those are the two battles being kind of fought out. So let's go to let's go to HBO to start because they were actually kind of disruptors, right? In the television space, even before Netflix was about and when they rose to promise in the late 90s, right? Totally, totally. Two disruptive companies in their history. So in the early 70s, HBO was the first network to do uh, subscription style television. So before that, you would just have your cable and you had your three networks and you watch that. But HBO changed the game because they said, if you pay a fee, you will get this premium content, which at that time, what they did, which again, no one else was doing, was they would show full length feature films unedited. They were also the first to uh, broadcast via satellite. So satellite technology at that time was, was a little janky, for lack of a better word. It was unreliable. And HBO said, no, this is the way we're going to reach the whole world. This is the way we're going to reach the United States. And they broadcast the thrill in Manila, the boxing match, the very famous boxing match with Muhammad Ali. This is the thriller in Manila, 1st of October, 1975. They broadcast that and totally disrupted the space. That's interesting. So business model, that's how HBO are delivering their content and shaking up the game. And we'll stay on this note as well. Netflix, 2007, what, what have they done from a business model standpoint? Like, I think we all recognize now that they've changed how people consume content. But I think there's actually some like, when, when we talked offline, you're, you actually mentioned some other levels like nuance around how Netflix has really shaken up how people are consuming content. Sure. So, I mean, before 2007, you know, with, with broadband uh, internet sort of just being in its, in its nascence, it was hard to stream full length films and, and quality TV over the internet. Um, back then, 90% or more of American households had a cable subscription. So what Netflix said was, no longer do you need to worry about having a cable box, paying for a cable subscription, you can get your stuff directly from us. We are going to stream direct into your home uh, via the internet. And if you could go online and sign up for Netflix and you know sign into your account like you did an email address, you could have access to this huge library of content. You could watch it on demand as much as you want. Um, and quick plug for HBO, HBO on there, and they were actually the first ones to come up with video on demand. That was a disruption that they made where you, if you subscribe to HBO, you could access their whole library on demand. So Netflix, their big thing was they brought entertainment into the digital age. They would produce a platform that we are all now familiar with, we all now take for granted. But in 2007, it was you know a huge, huge quantum leap um, in, in technology and in entertainment. How did that, how did that reflect in terms of Netflix's growth? How quickly did they, their streaming platform grow where they became not only the disruptor of the television industry, but where they're, when you think 
consuming TV or watching TV shows or you and I chat on a Monday morning about what we watched on Sunday and it's a Netflix show. Like when did they supersede the old way of consuming television? So it probably wasn't until 2013 when they started putting out original programming where their identity, their brand changed from, we are just a library of content that you can access at any time to this is much must watch TV. Up until then, I mean, if I don't know if you recall, but certainly in the first couple of years of Netflix, it was kind of like, yeah, it's okay. You know, they have some good stuff, but they don't have a ton of good stuff. It wasn't sort of must watch uh, TV, must watch entertainment. But in 2013 with House of Cards, all of a sudden it was. And I don't know if you remember, but House of Cards and Netflix, they also sort of revolutionized binge watching because the entire season of House of Cards was released right away. Just to be clear, it's not that I haven't always known you were there. It's that I have mixed feelings about you. Which is something that was unheard of today. And now what's interesting is that I think some, some shows are actually going back to a week-by-week -week model. But regardless, if you're talking about grabbing attention and, and really staking your, your flag, uh, putting your flag in the ground, you know, that happened in 2013. HBO, on the other hand, you know, their subscribers were pretty consistent. They took a bit of a dive uh, more recently um, in 2017. Um, but it was also around 2017, a little bit, a little bit before that, where you see Netflix's subscribers really like shoot off uh, in the charts. And those charts will be in the written piece if you want to have a look. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Plug, plug, plug. Ben has written one heck of an article on HBO versus Netflix. It's part of our Coffee and Compete newsletter, the Versus edition on Sunday. So make sure to sign up in the show notes and you'll access that. You get more. This is a teaser to the bigger article. Okay, so this reminds me of the Apple BlackBerry retrospective. How, okay, Apple's touchscreen, for example. Let's say the, Apple's, the Apple touchscreen changed how consumers use their electronic devices. BlackBerry ignored, ignored, ignored. And then when it was too late, they're like, shoot, let's whip together the BlackBerry Storm. Absolute dud. That's, their, that's them in their deathbed. It feels like to me that HBO were way too late in terms of pivoting to the streaming platform and HBO Max. Am I, am I right in that? And how does that impact them in terms of revenue? Like, what does their subscriber and revenue base look like compared to Netflix right now? Because Netflix has been doing this for over a decade. Right. So as of right now, Netflix has about 220 million global subscribers compared to HBO slash HBO Max. They're at 73.8 million. So obviously Netflix really takes the cake there. In terms of overall revenue too, Netflix is at near 30 billion and uh, HBO is more like uh, just under 8 billion. Um, so I think when you talk about the gap that HBO had to fill, you know, um, in, in the oral history by James Andrew Miller that I read, you know, you, you see kind of some of the backroom negotiations that were going on. There were definitely people in HBO saying, hey, we need to innovate here. Streaming is the future and we need to get on it. But much like BlackBerry, you also had people saying, look, we got a good thing going here. You know, back in 2007, when Netflix was popularizing streaming and, and becoming prominent, you know, Sopranos had just ended. I'm a fool to do your dirty work. Go, yeah. Sex in the City had just ended. It's called revenge. I'm going to make him want me. And right before we do it, I'm going to drop him like he dropped me. And in 2007, Game of Thrones launched. 
I, Eddard, the House Stark, Lord of Winterfell and Warden of the North, sentence you to die. So I think you could make a pretty good case if you're HBO, like, hey, things are good here, man. We, what, what are we, what are we worried about? Also at that time, I think even though at that time there was some some sort of talk in the ether about cord cutting, it wasn't a real thing yet. And 90% or whatever of American homes still had a cable subscription. So it wasn't a huge, it wasn't ringing huge alarm bells. HBO actually, they actually proposed buying Netflix. And that didn't come to fruition, obviously, um, but they could have squeezed, they could have acquired Netflix. And if they had doubled down on their video on demand, and if other networks like NBC, ABC, if they had really uh, embraced video on demand, there's a quote from Reed Hastings, the CEO of Netflix in, or the founder of Netflix in the book, you know, he said, thank God you guys didn't do that because we would have been destroyed. So the parallel that I thought of a lot about BlackBerry, uh, BlackBerry and HBO is that some in the business knew that there was change coming, mm. um, but the overwhelming majority was let's stick with what we're doing and things are good right now. So why would we change? Yeah. Don't, don't check under the bed. Let's not, let's not look for under the bed. Let's just be happy sleeping right now. So, okay. You just, you share with me the numbers there. Like they've pivoted, this business model has pivoted how people consume media and it's reflective in what triple the amount of subscribers you said there. That feels, is that an insurmountable lead for Netflix? Do you think that that's like game over? Like that is, they, they're not even really, when I see that, it's not really true competitors, right? It's more, there's someone trying to play catch up. It, it'll come down a little bit to how you measure the success, I suppose, because yeah, the numbers are stark, right? If you're looking at it just you know, on the surface level, uh, on a business to business level, you think, okay, well, I mean, more subscribers, more revenue, uh, more revenue per subscriber. So revenue per subscriber, domestic subscriber, Netflix is that 14, $15 and, and HBO is more like 12. But the thing is the pie is large and it's probably not a zero sum game. It's not like it's either Netflix or HBO. So where HBO's trajectory is strong is in its new iteration as HBO Max. So HBO Max is the streaming service for HBO launched in 2020. And what you get in the HBO Max library of content is you get all the HBO originals, but you also get the content from the companies that are, uh, are merged with, within HBO, the parent companies. So you get Warner Brothers, so all of that studio, which includes Friends, which includes uh, shows like Ar or movies like Argo, um, it'll also have later this year Discovery and Warner Brothers are merging. So you're going to have all the Discovery Channel content. So you're going to have HGTV. You're going to have Discovery Channel, and then the Turner networks. So TBS, TNT, and CNN are all in that package as well. So. Whereas HBO has this strong through line of like unbelievably good content, that's not going to change. And now what they're doing is adding more, adding more good content to their library and they're streaming in a way that's just as good as Netflix. Oh, and by the way, it's 50 cents cheaper to subscribe to HBO Max. So they are direct comp competitors now then. I said like maybe what HBO has its own feels like maybe a niche within the 
television category, so to speak, whereas um, Netflix is providing all of this different types of content, which we'll get to in a minute here. But now you're saying, because I was going to push back and be like, not only from what you've said there, they're direct competitors since they're now bringing in more and more to actually kind of compete with on the quantity basis, I guess, the output of how much products or how many shows they're, they're sharing. But from a consumer standpoint, they are. All, they're they're evaluating between Netflix or HBO right now. I can say right now, like the the price of subscription models, like it, it adds up. If you have your four different subscription packages, your Crave, your Hulu, your Amazon Prime, like now you're looking at triple digits a month, a hundred dollars. So although uh, where you mentioned HBO and Netflix weren't in direct competition, like in my mind as the consumer, they are, because at some point I'm going to decide, you know what, I'm cutting one of these services because I can't justify spending a hundred dollars. So I, I, I'm going to push back a little bit. There. Like, I think there are, they are competing. And where it feels like from what I hear you speak is that where HP, the infrastructure side, the streaming side, Netflix had an advantage, but that competitive moat isn't unsurmountable. And where you think the real, differentiator or where where the battle will really be won is on the content and brand side of things. Yeah, I, I do. I do think that. I think that Netflix got out to, Netflix created this business model that we all know now, and it was really successful and they innovated at that time, but they haven't innovated since then. And it's not doing anything innovative. It created a business 12 years ago. They deserve kudos for that. And it has done nothing innovative since. So I think it's losing the streaming wars. All they've done is add more content. They've produced their own original content, some of which is quite good, a lot of which is quite bad. So they're still benefiting from the momentum that they've built as the first mover. But with Netflix sort of stagnating, I, I don't know if you saw, but earlier this year, the stock, the stock price took a pretty big dive because although they added new subscribers, it was at a much slower rate than, than they thought. Since its peak in November last year, its price has, stock price has crashed by 50%. Whereas the numbers kind of bear out that HBO Max, Disney Plus, and Amazon Prime are showing growth, that's, that's quite impressive. So The gap's closing. The gap's closing. And, and the gap between Netflix and HBO, when you look at the numbers side by side, it's, it's quite stark. Net, Netflix is obviously the winner. But when you look at it's not just a two-way competition, it's going to be a four- or five-way competition this sort of advantage that Netflix has benefited from is, is slowly uh, decreasing. It's slowly shrinking. From your perspective, what would, in one sentence for each, how would you define HBO's brand and how would you define Netflix's brand right now? Netflix is a utility. Netflix is a place you come for a wide library of content and sometimes you come for original programming hbo is a place you come for guaranteed quality programming every single time and hbo max is starting to add to that value proposition and say not only are you going to get the quality that you're assured of with hbo you're also going to get a wider library of content for when you just want to pick something off the shelf too. And quality is, can be a subjective, like this is, this isn't actually going to be a subjective um, discussion a little bit. What I liked about what you did in the article is you, there were, you used something to measure the quality 
of content be, made by HBO and made by Netflix. Can you explain what you did to kind of measure that? Sure. So when you're looking at content, where you're looking at art, you've got the numbers, you've got the consumption metrics, but you also have sort of the critical appeal to it, uh, the critical acclaim. And so one way to look at that is the Emmy Awards. So specifically for television, uh, if you look at the two, Netflix since 2013, they have won 112 Emmy Awards. It's a lot of awards, right? 112, pretty good. HBO, on the other hand, if you take the four most winning HBO shows, they happen to be four of the top 25 all-time winning shows. That's uh, Sopranos, it's Boardwalk Empire, it's Veep and Game of Thrones. Alone, they have 116 Emmys. Those four shows have more Emmys than Netflix does in its entirety. And that's not even to talk about Barry, which is a Emmy award-winning show. I can't work for you anymore, all right? You gotta find someone else. Well, do you know any other assassins? No. Uh, Sex in the City, uh, Six Feet Under, and then all of the the TV series like Chernobyl, right? Limited series, uh, Mayor of Easttown. You know, don't forget the is, jinx. Don't forget the jinx. The jinx. The jinx. It is unbelievable. My favorite television show. It is unbelievable how prolific uh, HBO is. Now, conversely, I will say that if you look at the last five years, Netflix total Emmy awards, 116, HBO. 116, including last year when Netflix tied the all-time record for most Emmys in uh, most Emmys in, in, a, in an awards year. I wouldn't want to come across suggesting that all Netflix does is crap, because that's certainly not what I'm trying to argue in the piece or with you right now. What I am trying to argue and what I am trying to suggest is that HBO's approach and the brand that they've built, which is unrelenting quality, that is a through line that will carry them to success into the future and sort of give them a moat against Netflix in a way that Netflix hasn't proven to me yet that they are going to be able to do time in, time out. Essentially, HBO's strongest competitive moat is their brand. The, the trust that they've built over time and awards, um, critical acclaim, that they will provide the consumer good content. And you know what, from my ex experience is like, if I, I have the trust in an HBO show, I think you told me, what was it? Succession, the first season of Succession you watch, you're like, eh, but I'll trust it. I'll watch the second season because it's HBO and lo and behold, it's freaking awesome. Spoiler alert, anyone, it's awesome. Tom is the best. Have you ever used another human being as a footstool, Mr. Wamsgans? Uh, I, Senator, I use a variety of um, target-oriented um, incentives to enhance optimal performance. No, exactly, um, exactly. Like it's, it's. I watched the first season of Succession, and I thought, you know, it's, it's okay. I'm not crazy about it. I don't really like the characters. But what I also saw was the production value sky high. It looked good. It, it, you know, it sounded good. And I thought, you know what? This is an HBO show. I'm going to give it a chance. I'm going to see it through to another season, which led me to where I am today, which is I'm telling everyone Succession is the best show in the world. Netflix, I would not give it the same time. I don't have the same patience. You have, to, you have less affinity to the brands. That's, that, that's what it is. Although, but I think we also are biased. Like I personally like HBO content. I, I'd say probably a little bit more. I'm going to HBO more than Netflix. You as well. But that's not necessarily reflective. Like the numbers aren't bearing that out just yet revenue-wise. Totally. Emmy Awards, it's creeping. I mean, 
even at Clue, we did our own poll on LinkedIn and 52% of people preferred Netflix's content. 52 to 39, there was also uh, 9% that was other. I don't know who, who those people are, but Netflix, HBO, like people even today, they, they prefer Netflix. I think that has to be noted here that there is some kind of subjectivity and per- personal bias with what we think is going to win out. And if you look at kind of category by category, you know, HBO wins in TV series. They win in miniseries. Uh, they win with live TV. They win with late night TV. But where Netflix wins, feature length films, The Irishman, uh, 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 Marriage Story. Um, don't Look Up. Don't Look Up. <laughs> I think it was Winston Churchill, who's, or maybe it was Bobby Knight, who said the great labor of leadership is to lay down one's yoke of pride and admit that mistakes were made. These are Academy Award nominated films. Um, reality TV too. I mean, Netflix is the winner of, need, of reality TV in a lot of ways. That's where you want to go for shows like Love is Blind. I like Love is Blind. Um, so your favorite it's, character? So a lot of it is, who's my favorite character? Yeah. Well, that's a, that's a, that's a landmine. This is a very, rev- I, ca- I only watch like a handful of episodes, but like, I think what you say now to anyone that's watched the season, this is going to be so revealing of your character. Oh. And that's so hard because because I want, to, I want to say Shane. I want to say Shane. I think he's 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 a guy who like I I couldn't I can't stand him. But then he said one time he's like I know I'm a tool, and instantly I was like okay, as long as he knows he's a tool. Hello. Hi. Who am I talking to? I don't know. Take a guess. No, the, oh Shane. Oh, there we go. Hello. Hello. Shane, stop. It's Natalie. But my but my point being that you get different things there. You know, mm-hmm. if if you're you're like they differentiate themselves on the different types of content they create. Um, you said uh, comedy specials. You know, HBO uh, throughout their time they've made a lot of uh, a lot of hay around HBO specials like Eddie Murphy's special. You know, some real iconic ones, and they're still doing some. Um, but Netflix, in terms of stand up comedy, you know, you could say that they're ahead. So. I get a little myopic over sort of the, the TV series, dramas and comedies, because that's what I like the most. But I can't say here with a straight face that HBO is the best, the best, you know, on all counts, because it's probably not. But there is a point to be made, though, on the brand side of things. And one of the reasons, in my opinion, that not only because of the time of it, like HBO has been around longer, so you have there's that time is actually a key part, I think, of brand affinity and like solidifying the brand. If you're around for a longer time, you're kind of cementing yourself more and more. Um, but beyond that is the thing I find with Netflix is their approach when they went into original content, they didn't try and take on HBO and that they'll create all of this themselves is they identified the creators and they would just throw money. They were green lighting everything. Netflix, you're greenlit. We have an idea for a show that we think would be great for Netflix. Okay, great. Would you like a pilot or just go straight to an order of six episodes? So they were a lot more hands-off with the original programming. And being more hands-off has its benefits, but it also has, in this case, that you don't have full control about how the content's being consumed, how it's being made, the, the, the tone of it. And that's, that's sort of why Netflix is spread. Like, it's a good thing. It's spread wide. It's probably attracted a really wide audience, but 
it's not as a devoted audience, I think is kind of how that approach is taken. It's like the VC world right now. A lot of VCs are splashing a lot of money. They're making bets across the board at different tech companies. Like there's a massive amount of funding going down right now. And they just want one of those shows to hit. They're really hands off. Here's money. One of these pops, it will cover the other 10. But the difference is that in the VC world, the business model is set up where you go after 10 and you hope one hits. In the content world, in the content production world, if you if you produce one good show and nine bad ones, the nine bad ones are going to outshine the one good one. So it's almost like Netflix is taking a tech approach to entertainment and finding that there's a limitation to how much you can get from that uh, in terms of returns. On that note, though, Netflix, something we do need to mention is Netflix, The on the data side of things, Netflix did have an advantage on their on their side. And that's part of the reason that the streaming side of things really prevailed in, in terms of television though, right? Totally. So HBO at its inception being exclusively through cable providers, the advantages were they didn't have to focus on customer service because if you had a problem, you would go to your cable provider, you wouldn't go to HBO. Um, but the downside of having that barrier is that HBO didn't have good demographics, good data about their audience's uh, viewing preferences. So they could do survey groups, they could, they could measure ratings, but it wasn't at the granular level that Netflix was able to come up with. And what they realized was that not only do we have this great data and this great recommendation algorithm so that we can help people find more content they love and stay on our platform, we can use this data and see what people are, are liking and watching to inform our original content. We can make original content with informed decision-making because we can say, okay, people like political dramas and people like period dramas. So let's just jam those together and make a political period drama. So that's something that HBO was yeah, pretty blind to for a long time. And maybe that's why this like reality television boom on the Netflix side of things, cheap production, addictive, like I can tell you it's addictive. And the algorithm is telling them that people are consuming that. And maybe that's where they pivot into the future. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think that it's an interesting dichotomy or an interesting juxtaposition of art and content and business. And how do you measure success in those realms? And I think if, you, if you're a CFO, you're like, you got to measure the bottom line and that will make you make different decisions than if you're focused on something a little bit more subjective. And my takeaway is that I can't say one is better than the other because I don't think one is better than the other. I think that you can achieve success in different ways but I have a soft spot for the content creators, for the, the producers, the art producers who say, we are going to give our creators the space and the platform to create good quality content. And we're going to have to trust that the numbers will come and we'll get critical acclaim. And that stuff matters as much as the bottom line and just mass producing content. That's obviously like a value judgment that I'm making. And I, I'm not going to say it's the right one, but it's certainly what I gravitate towards. And I think with HBO's success over decades and decades, I am not the only one. Okay, so crystal ball me then to close this up 10 years down the line, 
from instead of like we, we don't have to go into the value judgment side of this but like from a revenue standpoint do you, do you see that gap continuing to shrink do you see other competitors enter in this space that are gonna maybe bite off more of Netflix's share than HBO's share? I think that HBO and the brand that they've created around the quality of their content will keep them strong throughout the future and into the future in 10 years. I think that the pie is going to stay about the same size. I don't think there's going to be more, like a ton more people who want to stream. But I think what's going to happen is Netflix's share of the pie is gonna get smaller. And what Netflix is gonna be forced to do is they're gonna to have to look around and say, what kind of acquisitions can we make to add content to our library? Um, you know, Disney Plus acquired 21st Century Fox, uh, HBO and Warner Brothers and Discovery, you know, they're merged. And that's the kind of model that's going to, I think, work in the future in 10 years. Netflix is still gonna be around. It's not like they're gonna disappear. But just like Tesla was the biggest dog in electric vehicles, and in 10 years, they're going to just be in a saturated field, forced to compete on brand. That's what Netflix is going to have to do. That's what Disney Plus is going to have to do. That's what HBO is going to have to do. And as it stands right now, HBO has got the best brand. So they're going to be Netflix in the end. You heard it there first. If you didn't hear anything else or listen to anything else in this episode, just remember that soundbite right there. Ben says that HBO is going to be Netflix. Ben, thank you so much for joining me today. This was a great one. This is great to just listen to you talk because you know a lot about this topic. You've been very passionate about this one for a while. And I'm, I'm just happy that we got to spend the time learning more about this, this battle. Um, and folks, read Ben's article again. It will be up on our newsletter, the Coffee and Compete newsletter, every Sunday. This is the Versus edition. This is the big one. Um, so you can find that in the show notes. Ben, thank you so much. And it's time for you to go back into the shadows of the producer world. Thanks, Adam.